0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum, and I am an artist and a healer. We're continuing on our Artist's Way series with week 10, recovering a sense of self-protection. I can definitely relate with this week for sure, and I feel like a lot of you will too. The first section is dangers of the trail the trail of course is the journey of recovering our creativity and helping ourselves move forward instead of being blocked so the way she describes this is that creativity is god energy flowing through us and we've kind of touched on this concept throughout the pages of this book talking about how it's something that we are given and that we have the ability to just let it move through us instead of trying to hold on to the ideas too tightly. But I feel like this quote that comes next really kind of sums it up in an interesting way of how we react to that energy and why we end up sometimes having our creative U-turns and different blocks that show up. She says, When we are clear about who we are and what we are doing, The energy flows freely, and we experience no strain. When we resist what the energy might be showing us or where it might take us, we often experience a shaky, out-of-control feeling. We want to shut down the flow and regain our sense of control. We slam on the psychic brakes. And I feel like this is true. I feel like I am pretty good at following what comes. As you know, I talk about spirit crumbs. But I think, too, I also can recognize when I'm resisting something, and often that's what I use to show myself where I need to go next. So it does take a while to learn how to harness that energy and how to recognize how it can be used in a more positive way. But it is typically what happens when we start to feel like it's bringing us out of our comfort zone. The easiest thing to do is to just shut down and say it's not for us or it's not working or we changed our mind and just move on and go back to what we were doing before, what's comfortable. And what she really talks about and highlights in this section is that we all have different blocks, different ways that we choose to like numb ourselves or make it so that we can't move forward and to use up that energy or to like like move, move our energy in a way that really just kind of makes us forget what we're ignoring. And she talks about the typical things that in general block us in our lives and keep us from paying attention to what needs our attention. And those things are food, alcohol, work, unattainable love interests, and she asks you to really look within yourself and figure out which one is your go-to, like which one do you use the most in order to avoid something, and in this case it's creativity, but it's often just in life what we gravitate towards. Another quote here is, we begin to sense our real potential and the wide range of possibilities open to us. That scares us, So we all reach for blocks to slow our growth. It's just another way of saying what she said before, but it really does make sense when you think about it. It's like sometimes growth can be really scary because then we become a version of ourselves that we don't recognize. And then we start to think, will the people around us feel that way? Will the people around us still love us when we are not that same person that we've been for all this time? And you know, when we're talking about these particular blocks or like numbing agents, the the way to really feel into which one is really blocking you, because sometimes you might say like, oh, obviously it's, you know, it's food, but I need food to live. So it's not really can't be that bad, right? But thinking about giving something up and seeing if you get more triggered or more angry about it, like, giving up food isn't giving up all food. It's like the junk food or the overeating and the snacking, you know, sometimes that we tend to do. But if you think about giving up food, sex, alcohol, drugs, or excess work even, does that make you angry? Do you feel like you need to defend yourself? And if you do, think about maybe why. And often what she says here is that We tend to mix and match these to alleviate fear. So if one of them is not enough, we'll use multiple. Or maybe it's like, for me, overworking is for sure where I go. I tend to fill up my schedule so that I don't have time to think about the other things. And that doesn't always work because there's still a lot of time to think when you're working, (laughs) doing things that, you know, don't occupy your brain constantly, And so sometimes then I'll also just be eating all day, I'll find myself stopping my work to take a food break. And what she says here is, like I kind of mentioned, that this is also another way that these creative U-turns we talked about before show up, the self-sabotage, where, you know, I'll be on a roll getting a lot of work done, for example, that I need to get done, and then I'll just be like, you know what, I should have another snack, or I should eat more, and that When you think about it, like finishing a project means that somebody else is going to see it and have the ability to say they don't like it, even though I know it's what they asked for. And I know like from history with that, it could be a client I've worked with for a while and I'll still just be like, oh, what if they don't like this one? And so if I don't finish it quickly, like I obviously finish the projects, but like if I don't finish them as quickly as I've said it to, to do them, then it gives me a bit of extra time to not hear the feedback right and so what she says about this whole like identification process and realizing what these blocking devices are she says it takes grace and courage to admit and surrender our blocking devices and that's i've been working on that a lot in the last year because i think you've all heard me talk about before the pandemic when i had full-time university I had two jobs, was working pretty much 30 to 40 hours a couple weeks before COVID hit on top of everything else and like running out of time to do my actual schoolwork. I was in a relationship where it, we were an hour apart and I was the one with the car. So it was kind of on me to do most of the traveling and my family lived far away and they were all moving and there's a lot going on. And so... All of these things, like as much as I had the work to do, I would voluntarily, you know, spend more time on that work and it would be harder for me to finish something and move on to something else because like what if I run out of things to do, right? And it's uncomfortable to admit that we have these things and we don't want to give them up, but it does actually feel really good when you start doing the healing work again. I always do it to some extent, And I'm pretty good when I notice these things coming up at recognizing them. But we all have times when we are just in survival mode. And it's not something to guilt yourself about or shame yourself about, like if you're not able to actively do that healing work. But for me, what happens is I would end up just writing it out in my journal, or, you know, I was doing cards still most days. And, I would at least note like what was coming up. And so that when I did have the space and I did finally allow myself to start like finishing things and making the time, then it became more clear what direction I needed to take in different areas of my life. And is it fun to do that work? Never. And like I've talked about this in all the shadow work episodes and processing endings and all those different episodes, because I'm familiar with that energy and it's not that I'm ever unaware that I have things I need to do it's just that I prioritize either if I know that I'm in a place where I just need to be in that survival mode um, then sometimes I just allow that for a little bit but keeping in mind like okay but when this period is over you are going to deal with this and you know sometimes we need that and then another quote here that she says is rather than trust our intuition, our talent, our skill, our desire, we fear where our creator is taking us with it with this creativity. And so this is kind of what we talked about last week about how being happy and successful is unfamiliar and it's scary. And because we're used to maybe having people try to like cheer us on because we're not doing so great, it can be kind of unfamiliar to know like what's going to happen when I am happy and these people don't feel like I need them, right? Like are they still going to be around? Like what's that dynamic going to be like? And like what expectations am I going to have for myself at this point, right? After we start to recognize what these blocks are, this is a good tip just in general for when you're having new feelings or when you're having a lot of anxiety. She says to like ride out the anxiety and use it to fuel their creativity. And so really feeling the feelings and acknowledging like, yes, this is uncomfortable, but I can move through this. It allows you to take back control and like tell your nervous system, like, this is okay. Like, it's okay for me to try this. It's okay for me to move forward and keep doing this and really can allow you to feel confident when you're taking back control of that time of those feelings and really exploring where that could take you. The next section is workaholism, and this is the one, like I said, that is my main main block, and what she says here is it is an addiction, just like any of the other uh, blocks that we talked about, and being too busy for ourselves and our feelings is part of it. It's easier to do like, for example, like the work of the morning pages than to do artist dates. And if you've heard me talking through this whole section, I do my art, my artist pages, sorry, my morning pages every morning, but my artist dates, I mean, granted, it's not that easy to do things that I would want to do right now, but I don't prioritize that because it's still, you know, in my natural way of being to do more work, Right. And considering I'm a double Capricorn, it is not surprising, but at the same time, when I do make time for those things, it gets me out of my usual routine, and I feel a lot better. So I do, every few weeks at least, try to do one of the artist dates, and sometimes they're just small things because I really don't have an idea of what I want to do. And so that's fine too. There is a workaholism quiz, but I'm not going to like go through the whole thing, but it's basically asking you, it's like a checklist of like, if you do these things or if these things come up for you, then you probably are a workaholic. And so it's just things like working outside of work hours, canceling plans to work, people complaining that you work too much, not taking vacations. Never fully completing tasks or projects, trying to multitask, and filling time with what other people want to do. And honestly, I can probably say that most of these, um, like, I can relate to. And even, like, I remember when I was working and traveling for work, going from, like, store to store, and I had, like, a region I was in, in charge of, my bosses, one year for my review, I did really well. And then the only thing that they gave me as like, something to work on was to take a full week vacation, because (laughs) I would take like, a day off here or there, but it was usually to do something specific, like for an appointment, or if there was like, something I needed to do around my apartment, it wasn't really to take a full break. And so for someone outside of yourself to recognize that in you has to be pretty obvious that you're a workaholic, right? And often the reason this comes up is that work is where we measure our worth. And for me, I feel like that does track. Like like I said, I'm a Capricorn. That's where I feel most comfortable as well. But I think Looking back to childhood, the things I was the most rewarded for were completing chores, getting good grades, um, helping out and doing things around the house. And so that's kind of where we learn our self-confidence and our worth, right? When we're kids and when you think about being at school, you get rewarded if you follow the rules, if you do things on time, If you do extra credit work, you know, things that are not expected of you. And really, when I think about it, that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people, I think, of why this is such a natural thing, because it's where we're rewarded our whole lives is for doing these things. But what she says to do to start taking back some of that is to actually track your hours and Look at where maybe you're doing work that is unnecessary, like triple checking something or where there's steps, the extra steps you're adding in that like are unnecessary. And then start looking where you could find like one hour a week, even just for something creative, like your artist date, right? Like start looking at where you could take back that time. And then also really being honest with yourself and Determining what overwork means or like extra work, because it's easy to justify different tasks, but it can be really, really kind of easy to get away with it. If you don't look at what is absolutely necessary, because I feel like when you're a workaholic, you can justify anything if it's work right? So really being hard on yourself a little bit with this part and saying like, okay, what can I let go of? The next section I feel is what we're kind of avoiding with all of these other blocks, which is the drought. And so this is like when nothing's really coming, everything you try to do feels forced. And at this point, it's really the time to push yourself in the morning pages because eventually you'll have some sort of a break whether it's just an idea something to try or something that you're interested in or maybe something that's subconsciously blocking you and it's a time when we really start to lose faith in our creativity because we're really already questioning this path a lot of the time and so when nothing's coming and we're thinking of work sorry (laughs) see i did that again if we're thinking of creativity as like something that flows through us and nothing's flowing through us then we might start to think is this path really for me but really like you need that rest time i'm sorry if you can hear the like whistling in my windows it's really windy today um and what i feel like this is is it's between your dreams, like between the projects, between the things you're doing, there's this cycle of like grief and hope where you're missing the feelings you had and you're really trying to stay hopeful. And so the pages are really where to work that out. I really do believe that. And I think that right now I'm in kind of a drought creative creative wise. And honestly, it's not something that I really fear anymore because I can look objectively and say every time I have missed, you know, I've finished something, there's been a bit of time where I missed that feeling, and then it's come back, like I've done a lot of art projects. So I just know that there's other work I have to do on myself, before that creative energy is going to come back, which is why I started doing this series in the first place. I just have to get better at doing the artist dates, I think, and it'll start to come. But I just wanted to put it there. Like, I know I'm the one doing these episodes, but I also experience all of these things every single time. And then the last little section here, well, it's not the last section, but this next section is fame. And what she really wants to be clear about here is that fame is not the same as success and that it's kind of like a spiritual drug. But realistically, it's only a byproduct of the artistic work that you've done. And so yes, there's this desire to keep it, to wonder like, how am I doing? How does it look? How how am I being reviewed? All of those things. But right now that's also mostly social media, realistically, like for us, it's like what people are seeing, what people are saying, what people are commenting. But the point of the work is doing the work, right? It's for you to feel like you created something that you're happy with. And you're not always going to get As she says, like the credit we feel we deserve. But if we're always looking for that, it's going to create lack because you're not always going to get that. You have to learn to be happy from your own point of view, like looking at it and saying, Yeah, I created this. It's awesome. I shared a photo on my Instagram a little while ago of this little watercolor painting that I did. And it was just when I was watching TV or something. It was very, like, in the moment. I just felt like doing it. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then the next morning I got up and looked at it and I was like, wow, I really like this. And instead of being like, oh, it's nothing, I put it on the wall because like I said, I've been in kind of a drought. So it was like, wow, it's awesome that even though I was just kind of testing this watercolor kit, I made something that I'm really happy with and I put it out there. And honestly, it was really nice to get some positive feedback, but I didn't even think to do that for months. I had it sitting just like on my wall. And that was enough for me. I just only shared it to make the point that like sometimes the things that we just do for fun are what we end up loving the most. And so this brings us back to the episode on compassion, because what she says in that one, treating yourself like a precious object and that that is your strength. I think if we release fame and just keep doing more of the creative thing, it's going to bring more joy. If we're just like, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to share it and I'm going to put it out there and let it have its life. But at the end of the day, I'm just going to keep doing my creative process and see where that takes me. And then competition is, is a section here. And I think this is very much related to fame because I think it's something that we all in some way Come up across especially again on social media but the main point that she makes in this whole section is thinking about if like if someone else succeeding and is instead of you really upsets you try to think about seeing it as them showing you what's possible, right? We, we, I'm sure you've seen that in different ways, but this works for creativity as well because there's always somebody doing something first, right? Like nothing is inherently original or new. That's just not true. Like every artist is influenced by what they see, by what they hear, by what they surround themselves with. So trying to think that you're going to have this one original thing and that no one else can do it, is kind of a bit ridiculous, because when you think about it, there's also all these sayings, like just because other people are doing it doesn't mean you can't, right? Like you're going to do it your own way. And so the more we really hoard these ideas and compare ourselves, the more we're wasting time, because it doesn't take away from your accomplishments when somebody else achieves something, And I think following that's where following your inner guidance and like doing what speaks to you is always going to be better than looking at what's popular, because if you're just trying to mimic what other people are doing and that's your goal, it's not going to come across. If you happen to be working similarly to someone else, that's one thing. That's fine. If that's the way you're comfortable working, there's going to be more than one artist doing Everything, right? Like there might be one famous artist doing it, but it doesn't mean they're the only one doing it, right? And so short term wins are really to be celebrated. Anything that we do, you know, little small parts of the progress are good. But if you're, if the short term wins are just from ego and you're just really fighting to, stay popular and doing all of these things really quickly instead of really letting yourself go through the whole process, that's not good. So just keeping in mind, if you're looking for a win, try to look internally at your own process instead of trying to do something fast to be first at doing something in public. So I think the other thing that really spoke to me in this section was that she talks about how our own combination of interests, it's what's going to be interesting and what's going to attract other people and really make us set ourselves apart. And I think that's so true. Like everyone I went to school with, they all had interests outside of whatever the medium was. It's not like people who were in sculpture, only made sculptures and did not take any other classes and had no other interests. In fact, studio art is pretty popular as a minor, not even a major. So some people, like a lot of people were in psychology or just different areas. And that made it interesting to see their work because that would come through in what they created. And I think if you look at any artist it's their emotions, their experience, their story that comes through that makes it interesting. It's not just only the physical project product. Yes, those are beautiful and it's you know something we go to see. But I think if you think about when you get to know an artist or you have a favorite artist, you want to know more of their story. You want to know what's behind that. And I think that's just important to keep in mind. So that's kind of the whole chapter. And I just wanted to say that a point that came up for me reading through this was that we really need to remember that every area of our life is connected and we can't compartmentalize things as much as we think we can. We only have our own energy, right? Like Our energy field is our energy field. And so when we think we're splitting it off into different areas, that's just not realistic. You're still the same human. You're still the same being doing all the different things, right? And so when we're trying to stay busy in one area to avoid something in the other area, it's still there. (laughs) It's still in your energy field and it will impact the other parts of your life. And so for me, that's been... Something really helpful to keep in mind in the last few years is when I find myself having time to like process things, looking at all the areas of my life at the same time to start kind of like a map to be like, okay, and that's where the chakras come in. That's why I talk about doing work and shadow work through the chakras because. It really forces you to look at the different areas of life and see how you're feeling in each area and then recognizing like it's all one system, right? Like you're going to have, if you do a lot of work to heal one area, it is going to help the other areas and vice versa. If you're ignoring and causing problems in one area, it's going to seep out into the others, So I just wanted to put that out there because I do feel like that's an important thing to keep in mind with any type of healing. So the tasks this week are kind of, I don't know, I'm I'm not in love with them. I was just looking at them now. I paused to look at them. And so the first one is the deadlies. And so this is where you write on each strip alcohol, drugs, sex, work, money, food, food, family and friends, put them in an envelope. And so you draw seven. But what you do is you pull one out, you write down five ways it has negatively impacted your life, then you put it back in. But you do this seven times. And so you might get the same thing more than one time. But eventually it might bring some clarity so it's kind of like pulling cards you know when you keep putting it back in the deck and keep pulling it out so that's one thing you can do if you're trying to get clear on how you feel about them and then touchstones is number two and so just making a quick list of things you love things that bring you happiness so she gives the example of like smooth river rocks willow trees cornflowers bread homemade soup For me, it would be obviously chipmunks for anybody that's been following along for a while. But those are things to just note to kind of combat that negativity of the first first activity. The third one is the awful truth. And so in this one, you are having to answer some tough questions. You're supposed to answer what habit do you have that gets in the way of your creativity? What do you think might be a problem? What do you plan to do about the habit or problem? And what is your payoff in holding you back? And so you can ask a friend if you need help, if you can't see yourself clearly, but then there's other questions about friends where you're telling the truth to yourself of which friends make you doubt yourself, which friends believe in you and your talent, And what is the payoff in keeping your destructive friends? Then which destructive habits do your destructive friends share with you? And which constructive habits do your constructive friends share with you? So just kind of paying attention to the people you spend time with and noting where the similarities might be. Number four is setting a bottom line. And so this is especially important when you are doing the workaholic work of figuring that out because it says to look at the answers from above and then begin with five of your most painful behaviors and just pay attention to what those are and really start to figure out what your bottom line is to correct that. So Like, for example, she is talking about overwork here. So she says, number one, I will no longer work weekends. Number two, I will no longer bring work with me on social occasions. Number three, I will no longer place my work before my creative commitments. Number four, I will no longer postpone lovemaking due to late night reading for work. Number five, I will no longer accept business calls at home after six. So That is just the way of trying to create boundaries for yourself. Number five is cherishing. So list five small victories. List three nurturing actions you took for your inner artist. List three actions you could take to comfort your artist. Make three nice promises to yourself and keep them. And then do one lovely thing for yourself each day this week. And that is it for this week. I hope you're all doing well with this eclipse energy. I have been releasing a lot of things. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you may have seen that I had to let my car go. And for me, that was a big deal because I love my car. It's like my sense of freedom. It also is just like a car that I had for seven years and the reason I got this car was because my my first car was in an accident and had to get written off and I got this one right away to replace it and what's interesting is I went for a walk the same day that I had it towed away and I walked past this like brewery and an auto like repair shop every time i go for the long version of my walk and when i was walking by i was not even to this i was only on the side of the building for the auto repair shop and i look over and there's a car exactly like the one that i just had towed away and i was like no way and i didn't even what what i realized what my guides i think were showing me is that i didn't have the attachment anymore i had let it go and i was like wow i'm not even feeling anything really i took a photo of it just because i was like i want to capture this moment but I was like, actually, I don't feel that bad. And then I was walking around the corner where I go to, I usually cross the road and I looked and a car was turning out of the small street there as I waited. And it was the exact car that I had the first time, my first car that I like loved. And I was like, wow. So this is just showing me like, yeah, you had this car, remember? And then you got the other car and it was fine. And so I really feel like I just wanted to pass that along for some reason, just saying like, You know, even thinking of the creative pursuits, like we're saying with the drought, where it's like, yeah, sometimes you're not going to have an idea, but if you look at the past, every time you finished one idea, you got another one, right? Just like this car thing, or when you look at abundance in general, yeah, there are down times when you're not having as much flow to you, but it doesn't mean you're never going to have anything flow to you again. So I just wanted to make that kind of last statement here. And I hope you all have a great week and I will see you next week for week 11, which is recovering a sense of autonomy. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Spirit Crumbs. You can find me on Instagram for this podcast at Spirit Crumbs, or you can also find me at Concrete and Crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.